Hello and welcome to Elevating Founders, a podcast for early stage founders to hear the stories behind the change makers and disruptors in the tech sector who are responsible for tackling the world's biggest challenges. Brought to you by London Tech Week and Founders Forum. Hi everyone. In today's episode, Laura Stebbing, co-CEO of Accelerate Her, an organisation focused on addressing the underrepresentation of women in technology, talked to the founder of social fashion rental app by rotation, Ashita Cabra-Davies. Did you know that the average person has 57 items in their wardrobe, yet they only use 30% of these? Ishita is at the forefront of reducing overconsumption in the fashion industry by making it cool to share and rent clothes through the peer-to-peer marketplace she has built over the pandemic. Laura and Ishita chat about the rise of the conscious consumer, the importance of the sharing economy, and why Ishita left the safety of her investment desk job to catapult into the online fashion world. It's clear how bought into the mission and vision of Birotation she is, which is really compelling. And I'm excited to see their user base grow and their global expansion. Now over to Laura to kick off the conversation. Ishita is the founder and CEO of the award-winning app Birotation, the social fashion rental platform. Inspired by a love for fashion that doesn't weigh on her conscience, and with an approach grounded in practicality over indulgence, Ishita founded Birotation as a side hustle in April 2019. An investment professional with over six years of experience, she combines her commercial experience with her passions for fashion and graphic design. A third culture kid, grew up in India, Singapore, US and UK, Ishita is especially focused on creating a conscious and inclusive community that democratizes fashion and doesn't harm the planet. Welcome, Ishita. It is so exciting to be here with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. How have you been during lockdown? Um, Has work kept you busy? Are you someone that distracts yourself with work? Or how's the whole process been? And how are you feeling about the opening up? Gosh, it was crazy because we had just launched our app in October 2019. So that was five and a half months before the UK went into national lockdown. So essentially, a lot of the plans that we had, well, yeah, a lot of a lot of them were kind of um, you know rejects essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, I ended up actually being very very busy during the lockdown. You know, my entire team and I were working every day. I want to say even Saturdays and Sundays, uh, we were completely connected. You know, no one was put on furlough, and we really just worked on building our digital community because you know at the end of the day, we are a digital platform. Um, And it was really about educating people about how bad the fashion industry can be when it comes to overconsumption. So we really spent this time, um, you know, I guess, solidifying uh, our position and, you know, creating a very, um, I guess, solid base uh, for what the app is today, which is the world's first social fashion rental app. That sounds like a perfect use of time, just building up that community ready to kind of go for it when the, when the world reopened. Um, tell us a bit about Birotation and, and what, you know, instigated the idea of it, um, of this social fashion rental app. Um, and, and especially, it'd be really interested to hear about the app-only approach and how you approached it without that sort of strong fashion background, as far as I know. I know you've worked in investment. Um, yeah, it'd be great to hear more about it all and your journey. Sure. It actually came from a very first world problem. Um, you know, I was planning my honeymoon, which was back to my motherland. That's Rajasthan in India. And I wanted to wear new outfits for this holiday. 
you know, and I wanted to wear nice, you know, beautiful long dresses in the desert. You know, I had this sort of picture, this image in my mind. And, you know, I was looking at Instagram for inspiration for where to eat, where to, you know, where to, you know, stay, what to wear. And that's when I start thinking about how cool it would be if I could borrow fashion, if I could rent fashion. And um, I've got a sister who lives in New York City, and she used to be an unlimited subscriber of Rent the Runway. So we started sort of talking about that business model and, you know, how it's actually very wasteful. <laughs> Um, because it is essentially the world's largest dry cleaning facility. So it's less about community. It's more about convenience and also accessing designer fashion for a cost-effective price. But it wasn't until my honeymoon that I actually realized how wasteful the fashion industry can be. You know, I saw a lot of textile waste in my suburban hometown, which, you know, which is beyond all those um, well-documented landfills that we see in the Guardian articles, you know, all those photos and I couldn't help but feel guilty. Like, um, you know, I was part of this very linear um, cycle of uh, buy, wear, you know, donate, which essentially ends up in the landfills of Indian and African countries. And yeah, and that's when I thought about how actually it would be cool if we could borrow from the woman on Instagram herself, you know, from that square. Uh, and that's how the idea of taking Rent the Runway a step further you know, essentially, you know, the Airbnb or the Uber or whatever analogy you want to give to it. Um, that's where the idea of the buy rotation came about. Um, during the last leg of the honeymoon in the desert, um, when my husband and I were getting, well, not bored of each other, but we were itching to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and, and, and was that, I mean, obviously you talked a lot about Instagram and um, that being a bit of your inspiration. Was that why, what made you think about it being an app-only approach? Um, what was your thinking around that? So actually, I don't, I, I didn't actually use a lot of apps myself. Um, I was forced to download Instagram <laughs> by my husband. And um, I never really downloaded a lot of apps myself. But I did actually start to notice that a lot of e-commerce websites were also you know, offering additional discounts to their customers just for downloading the app. You know, there seemed to be this sort of marketing campaign around download the app, download the app. And that's when I start thinking more about social shopping platforms such as Depop. Uh, and I think more recently, Vestiaire Collective, you know, they've started talking about community a lot as well. And that's when I started realizing that if it's going to be a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace, you're going to need very engaged users so that, you know, the transactions are actually fulfilled. And that's when I thought about how it would be really great. And it just sort of made sense to have a very mobile approach to the platform. You know, um, obviously, prior to the pandemic, when we were having transactions, and now again, it's kicking off, which is really exciting. Um, but, you know, people used to sort of meet up in public locations to exchange dresses and items. And they couldn't really carry their laptop around, could they? So, um, so it's just sort of made sense to be um, at first. You know, we do have plans to launch a web-based platform later in the year. But um, it's just so interesting because I think it was yesterday or the day before that even Vogue Business has put out a huge piece on how, you know, all the fashion companies are now going at-first approach. Um, and I think List has recently, I think a couple of days ago, announced uh, its intention to file uh, for file public. So it's just really interesting how you know, the rise of social shopping is back. 
Totally. Yeah, totally makes makes complete sense. And I love that you were that you're at the forefront. Um, and tell us, I'd love to hear a bit about your um, career sort of twist to get to this point. So you were an investment analyst um, obviously pootled up on your honeymoon um, expecting to go back to that or going back to that. What why did you leave your finance career to set out on your own? And, and how how was that? Um, how did that happen? God, Laura, I was so hesitant to quit my job and my career, to be very honest with you. It wasn't one of those um, romantic stories that, you know, you read about where, oh, I just woke up one morning and this is it. You know, I handed in my notices. Um, It was really, you know, I I did, I found a bi-rotation as a side hustle. And for the first six months, you know, I was I was going to work and then in the evenings and the weekends, I'd be focusing on bi-rotation, you know, having a little bit of time to go for my Pilates and bar Uh, but not really much time to socialize with my friend circle. Um, And I would say it was, it was one of those things where I really needed data points uh, to, to kind of, you you know, I I guess you can call it proof of concept, but for me, I really needed to know that it would be worth the opportunity cost of giving up my six and a half year long career um, Mm -hmm. investments. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of, you know, the kind of skills that I, I gathered from, you know, being an investment analyst, there's obviously that side of being analytical about being commercial. Um, but the other thing I would really say is that I actually used to graphic design uh, since the age of 11. And um, I used to sell my graphic design online. Um, and I was a web designer who had like a forum. Um, and I think that had at one point over 3000 users across the world. And I was maybe 14 or 15. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't actually realize that I was building a community oriented business even then. And it kind of just really feels full circle um, because Birotation is very, very focused on its community. Um, and, and in a very commercial sense, you know, we are a peer to peer marketplace. So we are what our community is. Um, otherwise, you know, our platform doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. And and I think, you know, it's just these sort of skills that I think have all kind of come back and it feels full circle. And obviously having that experience in finance has really helped um, make me, I think, a pragmatic um, business leader. I love that. Um, that's super interesting. I love that you had that whole creative side and that's mega that you had a, such a following at such a long age, at such an early age. <laughs> I'd love to hear a bit about your team and um, how how you managed through the pandemic um, to lead them. Um, what you know, whether you learned anything about leadership during the pandemic and and how you're managing that now. It's still a journey, I have to say. I feel I remember my dad, who's an entrepreneur. You know, he did tell me that listen, if you leave your your desk job and your career where you're working for someone else, you'll never be the same person that you were so are you are you happy to be a different person um and I look back at it and and so true like I I just feel completely different to who I was two years ago and um and yeah I think that's really come from you know um well besides the fact that you're always switched on because everything feels very personal uh when it is your own baby um you know also leading people to your vision to your direction um and, and it's really going into the unknown I think I think that's been something that I I found really rewarding, you know, we've got a very lean team, but everyone's very much bought into the, into, into by rotation and our vision. And I, I didn't actually know anyone from the team besides our CTO um, prior to, you know, prior to them joining us. 
So we are all really here because we really care about biorotation and its vision and mission. And I think for me, that's uh, that's something that, you know, I thought it would be really hard to do that, but I'm so glad that I found these people. And um, I think one of the things that we really agree on is that this needs to be a global community and it needs to be a digital, a tech first approach where we connect people to really open up their wardrobes and share what they already own because everyone has enough items. They have enough fashion in their wardrobes. Apparently the number is 57 items um, of which we only use 30% of them. That is shocking and yeah, and very true um, and very believable. Um, interestingly, I, I read two things about you, about what drive you as an entrepreneur. Um, one, sustainability, and one is representation. And so I wanted to touch on both of those. You've touched a little bit about sustainability in fashion um, and that being kind of real guiding principle behind biorotation. Can you tell us about that and how you've sort of embedded that that purpose and those values um, that you have in your brand. And um, it'd be great to hear a little more about, um, yeah, the, the sort of rise here of the conscious consumer and how you're how you're tapping into that. Um, because we all know that it's it's something that is becoming more and more important and which is more visible. And um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to hear a bit more about your, uh, your strategy here. I've been a bit surprised by the lack of regulation in the fashion industry. I mean, you know, the finance industry gets a lot, a lot of pressure, as as, as everyone's probably aware. It's always making, making the headlines after the global financial crisis. And I think it's surprising that no one, no one's really enforced any kinds of rules and regulations that are actually harmful to even the people wearing the clothes, let alone the people who are actually making the clothes. So I've been very surprised to learn about that. And I think... I think they're beginning to do things around that and therefore also ensuring that producers, so all you know, the fashion houses and the fashion designers and the fast fashion companies, they start sort of being more mindful of how much they actually produce. I think that would be very helpful. But I'm approaching this problem of waste in the fashion industry from the consumer point of view. Um, and I think that's super important because there's a whole psychology towards it. You know, um, social media is great in the past year and two months. We've all really, you know, felt less lonely. We've felt more educated um, and, and, you know, more connected than ever before because everything's, you know, there. Every, everyone is, is virtual. You know, we're meeting right now on Zoom. And I think what's been really interesting to me is that the consumer is becoming much more conscious about their local community and really thinking about voting with their wallet. And that's where... I think this is a fantastic opportunity to get people to really share what they already own. So I'm really big about the sharing economy. We're already doing that, you know, with Airbnbs and Ubers and, you know, all kinds of different. I, I heard about a, a tent sharing company recently um, because I sit on the board of the Sharing Economy UK. And it's just so interesting that people are actually really willing to share. And it doesn't make sense that, you know, people are, you know, you know we're buying 10 times the amount of fashion that we might compare to our other European counterparts. It just, it doesn't make sense, especially in the UK, which is a very educated country. So for me, it's really about getting people to share what they already own. And I think the ways that we have made it fun and cool to share and to rent, you know, there's no, there's no stigma anymore attached to borrowing things or, you know, no, you know, it's not about the fact that you can't afford the real thing. Um, it's actually just cooler because there's a huge social aspect um, element on the app. Uh, you know, it's kind of been, uh, I think it's been uh, labeled as the Instagram, a fashion rental, where you end up creating 
social um, relationships and, you know, communicate with people that have the same style as you, the same size as you on the app. And it's kind of like having an extended wardrobe or an acquaintance who allows you to rent things from their wardrobe all the time. So I think it's made it much more cool and hip um, to, in fact, borrow from each other. And I would say the other thing we've done um, is that when, you know, if you were to check out, so if you were to send a rental request to someone on the app, um, we've created an impact scale where you can see the positive savings you'd be making instead of um, buying a new item. So by renting an item, you would actually be saving textile waste, saving carbon dioxide emissions and saving on water waste. And I think that's the kind of thing that, you know, is kind of nudging people to start thinking about how, you know, what they wear and what they put in their body is also really important, not just what they're eating or how they're exercising. So I think the time is really now and people are becoming aware, especially in the UK and Europe. It's brilliant. I love that. And um, I'm really interested in in how you've built that community, actually, um, that you've you've obviously been really thoughtful about what um, what people want and how that how to make it you know cool and hip to to have that sort of sharing approach. Um, how have you how have you built that community of people that are that are coming in and um, and really you know using it as that Instagram of fashion? I think so. I think you were asking about representation as well and how it's one of our core values, and it's related to that. Really? You know? mm-hmm. um, I, I found that despite being the consumer, the one, the paying customer, um, I often felt that the fashion industry from all its marketing and even, I guess, within the company itself, you know, you know, the people who work in the company, I always felt that it was not very, um, you know, you, you know, it wasn't an accurate, you know, uh, representation of who was paying for the actual product. And that felt kind of problematic to me. It felt exclusive. It felt elitist. And I didn't, I don't know. I just feel like the days of those, um, you know, those elitist brands, you know, whether that's Victoria's Secret or, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch and all of those sort of brands where, you know, you, you feel like you're always, you know, reaching. I feel like those days are gone. People actually like accessible, approachable, friendly brands now. You know, it's, you can be aspirational, but you can also be friendly. I think that's, what biorotation is always aimed to be. And that's how I want, I wanted our community to be like a very friendly environment. You know, the, you can sit with us kind of, um, kind of motto. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and, and we just, you know, we did it from the outset, you know, it, it was kind of like, I think Vestia Collective's um, story in the early days where, you know, I think there were, there were a few founders, maybe eight or nine, and they listed their own items on the platform they built. Um, they got their friends to list their items you know, and, and that's what we did. You know, I asked all my friends to list their items on our ugly beta platform. And we took user generated content, which we still do. It's so important to us. I mean, for us, you know, iPhone photos, they're way, they're, they're way better at converting than any kind of studio or like modeling shots. Because um, people just like to see that this is a community that they can also be a part of. And it's not just for very glossy um, events or glossy people. And I think that's been really important in ensuring that everyone feels welcome. And, and, and yeah, I'm really proud to say we've now crossed the 60,000 users mark in the UK. Obviously, we have plans to go global. And, um, and you know, we have sizes all the way from UK 4 to UK 28. And we're always working on, you know, being even better at that. At that. But yeah, I think, I, think that's been, I think that's been one of the things that's really differentiated us, you know, keeping a clear focus on community. Because um, I think I think quite a few um, you know other like companies have tried to do peer to peer in fashion, but they've always sort of ended up taking the shortcut 
which is instead of building the community, just buy the inventory and start renting it out. And I think for me, that's that's never it's never what we're going to do. And I think that's how we stood out, you know, by keeping to our core focus, which is really, yeah, which is really, you know, being grassroots and, and actually getting to know the users and the super users and cultivating those relationships. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I'm very proud that it's something that we have clearly stood out at and it's worked really well for us as the largest fashion rental platform in the UK and potentially Europe. That's amazing. And that's clearly, it's clearly because your your values and your purpose are are kind of shining through so strongly and, and everything else is kind of aligned around that. Um, I'd love to ask you a few quick fire questions. Um, so I'm just going to launch right in and uh, and ask you a few and you can dance back. Um, what technology have you found most useful during the pandemic? I mean, the honest answer is social media. Fair point. Um, if you could go to the pub with any entrepreneur, who would you choose? Uh, probably Whitney from Bumble. So incredible, her story, you know, how she was just defiant and, and she you know, and, and she paved a way for herself, even though she was, you know, she was kind of bullied um, and, and mm. she still and she still went for it. And I think that's that's incredible. So much respect. Mm. And what's a startup that you're loving at the moment and why? This is going to be kind of similar. And, and sorry if I'm always like harping on the same thing, but Peanut. Um, <laughs> very excited about this community um, app as well. And it, it's clearly something that I think a lot of people will use in their life. Um, and, and I just I just love seeing how, you know, what are the many different things you can do with this community? And obviously, it's very interesting how they're monetizing that as well. I agree. And um, fill in the blank. To be a founder, you must be what? tenacious. So it's so important because, you know, in one day you can be extremely happy, proud. Um, and then in the next moment, everything can fall apart. And you still have to go on and you still have to be okay with yourself and make that decision quickly. And you have to lead your team. Yeah, yeah no matter what. Which is not always easy. Um, great, thank you. Um, jumping into some more some more questions. I'd love to touch on the investment side of things to launching a business. Obviously, we know that you know for women founders, the odds are kind of stacked against you. In the UK, the percentages are, you know, minimal in terms of, of the number, the amount of funding that women get. Um, that's even worse for women of colour. Um, can you talk us a little bit about your decision to self-fund and how that whole process went? I think there's a lot of um, glorification of people raising investment and capital because, you know, it sounds sexy in press articles like uh, raise a million, raise 10 million, you know, all of that. But the reality is... Um, and, and I think maybe people who, who don't really own a startup themselves or who aren't really raising themselves or maybe don't really know that much about the financials, they don't realize that the founder is actually giving up, um, a, you know, a proportion of their own company, um, you know, their equity away for it. And, um, you know, I'm, I just believe very, very highly of by rotation um, and its mission and vision. And, uh, you know, I'm going to see this through all the way to IPO. So I've been very cautious about giving equity, um, you know, only kind of accepting people who I think are great partners that give us more than just capital. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it's it's something that I'm very deliberative about. And, and, and that's why I chose to self-fund because I didn't want to be pressured by people who started taking ownership in the company um, to tell me to change my plans because, you know, a pandemic happened. 
And I think that's honestly, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we emerged as the winner um, in fashion rental in the UK, because we didn't have any pressure to pivot or, um, you know, abandon our values because, uh, you know, one year of the of the startup was essentially in, you know, in, in a very, very, in very, very tough, in a very tough operating environment. So, um, so yeah, I'm very happy that um, self-funding has allowed me to actually, you know, grow the business um, into the vision and into the, you know, into the, um, into the core values that we actually founded the business on. Um, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you should pick up investment. It's not to say that you shouldn't, and we have just closed around. Um, but I think it's so important to find the right people and not to just take money for the sake of, of a great press article or for taking money. You know, um, it's much better to, uh, I think, to raise only what you need uh, and keep more of your equity. If you believe in your company, which I really do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and and but it must have been incredibly tricky to, um, to you know, self-funding comes with its own challenges um, around, you know, when's the money going to run out? And are we, you know, how, what's our pipeline like and all of those things? How did you find that? I mean, I, I, this is a funny one because I always tell my dad that I am his daughter. And um, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I think about things in a very lean and cost-effective way, uh, which can be actually very different to how a lot of the fashion companies and, and you know, the, the companies in the media space kind of uh, operate, you know, everything can be quite, um, it can be quite, you know, beautiful and lavish and, you know, everything needs to be picture perfect, but it's just not how I operate at all. And I think that's really enabled us to be lean um, and very, you know, we're always on it. And I, and I think, I think that's helped us because we, you know, we, we don't, you know, we, we never, we, we ensured that we didn't have infinite amount of capital. Um, so we've always done things in a very resourceful way, you know, uh, even if we're just doing, say, um, you know, we're creating new ads, you know, with, with the, um, with the amazing credits that we won from the Accelerate Her pitch, uh, you know, we would just sort of film them on iPhone and it would just be the team members, you know, there are no models or anything hired. So everything is done in a very organic way. And I think, you know, you know, our user base really responds to that. They actually like seeing the company grow and, and, and they kind of feel like it's personal. They're like, I want to help the company. I want to be a part of this. I feel like I'm friends with the Viratation team. So, um, so yeah, I think people actually like that. The I, I don't like to use the word hustle. It's not a word that I would use at all, but they like to see how we're just you know, we'll we'll find a way with what we have. Um, we won't go too big too early. You know, we'll do things at, at a very constant pace and we'll always be rapidly growing. It's just a smart move. And I'm so glad that Accelerate Her was helpful in the journey. It's uh, it's brilliant. Um, just for those listening, Ishita um, won our pitch competition in November last year, um, won out of hundreds of applicants. So it was really exciting. Um and you said that you just raised. How how did you find that process then? God, it's like more difficult to raise for your startup than it is when you're working <laughs> in investments for sure. And, um, and it's funny because I was talking, a lot of my friends still work in in, um, in investment management. And we were just joking about how, God, um, you know, in investments, we were talking about raising things like 100 million. And that seems way easier than actually probably raising your first million. So it's just, it's crazy, but I think it's very, very different when you are a small business owner, you know, a startup. Um, so I will say if anyone's thinking about raising, uh, just start thinking about it early. Uh, and also I love this, I mean, just practical tip, but DocSend, 
um, and and I'm not I'm not an ambassador or anything, but that really really I think changed how I was doing my pitch um, pitch decks, docsend.com. Oh, interesting. That's really good advice. Um, thank you. So, um, uh, one of the one of the questions which we kind of touched on um, is around um, diverse representation um, for women in business. So. Um, you know, at I mentioned that we at Accelerate Her had a pitch competition last year that was aimed at women in co- women of color, and um, really trying to reverse those um, this the sort of the fact that at the moment investment and everything is really stacked against you. And I wondered if you if you had any experiences or you wanted to talk a little bit more about that. I think I found it um, difficult because. I, you know, maybe maybe it's got something to do with being a woman of color, but I think I found it difficult in general because I'm also not from the UK. So it's almost kind of harder when, you know, you see yourself to be a global citizen. So you don't really belong anywhere. You know, you don't go to the same, you didn't grow up in the same areas. You don't have common family, friends and all of that. So I think it's been harder because it turns out, especially the startup scene and, and you're raising at, at a sort of, you know, as a small company, a lot of it can end up being friends and family and a lot of it can be who you know. So I did find that quite difficult, you know, creating my own network over here. Um, and, and certainly it's not the same people that invest in, you know, 100 million versus investing in startups. So my previous work experience, you know, um, the investors there wouldn't be the same investors in startups. So I would say um, it's harder, I think, to get into that circle, I think for probably women of color and for people who are not actually from the home country. Um, and probably it was maybe, maybe made harder because, well, harder and easier because you couldn't meet people in person. So it was really based on what you saw of them online. And, you know, a lot of founders can be very elusive. They don't actually keep a very active profile on LinkedIn or, you know, Instagram or whatever. Um, and there's a whole other thing we can talk about that, you know, how active a founder needs to be because they always say that female founders are expected to be, you know, social media personalities themselves in order to sell their business and their product. So yeah, I think I think it's definitely challenging if you're not if you're not already in those networks. Um, but you know, I, I think it could happen even if if you're not a woman of color. I think it could just happen to everyone and anyone. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I think that um, that needing to have to, to build your profile as well as trying to build your business um, is really that sort of double-edged sword and you know ex- extreme pressure that that seems to be added to women founders. And I wanted to to touch on one of your quotes, which is that hype is not equivalent to success; sustainable growth is. What does success look like for you and for my rotation? I, I still buy, I still stand by that. And, and it's so cool that you actually found the article where I said that. Um, yeah, I mean, I've just, um, I'm very, I'm almost kind of anti-hype, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not into things like waiting lists and like, oh, you know, you'll miss out if you don't, if you don't do this now and all of that, that, that kind of stuff never works on me. Um, it's not a great negotiation tactic. And I think very highly of my user base and my community. I think they're very smart people. Uh, a lot of them are women, so a lot of smart women. So I would never do things like, you know, like hype sort of um, strategies um, and then not live up to it. So it's really important for me to consistently build, you know, whether that's improving the app every single day, which we do, um, and, you know, always continue to build uh, and then just grow rapidly at the same time. So I, I feel like 
a lot of a lot of cool companies can end up fizzling out because they don't live up to that hype and and I don't want to do that you know I just want to be consistently very 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 good every single time um so that it's not even surprising anymore that we are amazing um and success for me well I guess I don't know um in five years you know I definitely see ourselves in about eight to ten countries um with more than probably seven million users so yeah we, we're chasing high growth um and and you know um success is really seeing people um talk about rotating as a lifestyle you know not just um you know not just um oh yeah I've heard about this I'm not I'm not trying it you know I, I want to see it in every corner of um of a lot of the countries that we expand to and I think that would be super exciting you know just to see it as a household name and people using by rotation all the time and 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 saying no to fast fashion and buying new no doubt you're going to get there. I'm really excited to watch, to see what the next few years hold for you. Um, interestingly, Vinted, which is obviously one of the largest peer-to-peer kind of community yes. and tech <laughs> platforms, um, just raised 300 million and obviously now valued at 4.5 billion. Um, so this space is obviously getting a lot of attention, growing, very exciting. Um, I'd love to hear your reflections on that. And I'd also love to hear, you know, what is, what's next for BioRotation and what, you know, what you're innovating right now? Yeah, um, I'm very excited about the Vincent News because it's so great for the secondhand, the resale, and even the rental um, revolution, to be honest. So um, yeah, and, and it's so interesting because I actually wanted to say that I would love to, you know, I'm very excited about Vinted as a startup, but you can't really say it's a startup anymore <laughs> given their valuation, right? Um, but no, it's so it's so exciting that they're focused on staying completely peer-to-peer, you know, and, and really focusing on the user experience and just the user has brought them where they are. You know, it's that, it's that purity of purpose that I, I just think is amazing. And that's what we're all about. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited about uh, Vinted, you know, Depop, Bestiae Collective. Um, resale is very hot, and I think rental is really the next thing. You know, we have very good relationships with all of these companies, and, and I'm just I'm just excited to see how we can collaborate and work together as well. Brilliant, I love that. And, and is there, um, you know, what's next? What are you thinking about? Are there any big pieces of uh, innovation that that you're unveiling anytime soon? And yeah, I'd love to hear anything that that is kind of around the corner for you guys. Yeah, we, okay, so we launched this really cool feature, one of my favorite features, to be honest, on the app, uh, given the kind of practical person that I am. Uh, It's called Lender Activity, where you can see how much money you've made on the app. And then you can also see the analytics behind which items in your wardrobe are performing the best. So, you know, um, which items, which listings are being viewed the most, which items are being rented the most number of times, how much money you've made on an item, which is great because I know that I have at least three items that I've made back my money on already and that I still own. Um, so it's those kind of analytics, I think, that are going to help our users realize that this is all fun and cool. Like I can dress well and I look great and I have new friends, but hey, I'm also saving money and I'm actually also making money. So, you know, that, that you know we're trying to um, have our users become very, very smart about their purchasing decisions. Um, so I'm very excited about that one. And I want to see it continue to grow as we add more analytics in there. Uh, because as you know, you know, the kind of data that we see on the app is super interesting. You know, we've had quite a few e-commerce players who've shown interest in that even. It's just interesting how 
it's a completely new type of, you know, it's a new way of consuming, you know, women on the app are renting items for three to four days on average. So, you know, there's definitely that acknowledgement that people are renting, you know, they're wearing clothes just once. Um, so that's something I think brands will need to think about as well. Uh, but other things, as I mentioned, you know, we are launching our web-based platform in the latter half of the year. We're also expanding internationally um, in the next 18 months in three markets, which is super exciting. Um, and then I, I can't really share too much, but um, we are expanding into another product category, but that will come out very soon. So may maybe even before this, this podcast has launched. Um, and, um, and, and, and there's a, there's a bit of a physical experience. Um, so you can see what by rotation would be like if it was real, if it, well, not real, sorry. If it was a, if it was in person. Gosh, that's exciting. Um, really exciting. Everything about, you know, merging to in-person is, is getting quite exciting, but that's great. And um, Ishita, thank you so much for joining us. The way that you've made your values kind of absolutely core to the brand, whether that's the sharing economy or being really true to your community is just so inspiring. You're you're a real, um, you're really leading the way. And I can't wait to see how biorotation grows across all these different markets and takes over the world. Um, thank you for doing this for the world. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Laura. Such a pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of Elevating Founders. If you have any questions or comments, head over to our social channels linked in the show notes to join the conversation or email us at elevatingfounders@informa.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you next time.